May 20th, the voyage begins. For the fountain of youth. Disney's Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides is coming to the El Capitan Theater in Hollywood. Yeah! Is that it? I think so. Plus, see an exclusive collection of set pieces, props, and costumes from the film. The fountain is the prize. Tickets on sale now. Call 1-800-DISNEY-6 or online at ElCapitanTickets.com. Oh, I hate that monkey. Yeah, that is, of course, the uh, one of the many advertising spots for Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides, which just opened a couple days ago. And there was a special, uh, or is a special showing at the El Capitan Theater out in California. I think it's in California. Isn't that what it said? <laughs> anyway, this is Trex and Sci-Fi. I'm Rico, your host. Today is May the 22nd. 2011, and this will be podcast 332. This show, we're going to be looking uh, way back at a early, early TNG episode, We'll Always Have Paris, which is from towards the end of season one of TNG. I thought it'd be fun to go back and look at a very early episode in uh, that, uh, you know, wonderful Trek series. So we're going to do that today. Talk a few other little stories and things, but that will be the bulk of the podcast. I'm going to play the episode and comment while I watch it uh, as, as all of you listen. And uh, that's about it. So, uh, and uh, try to get this podcast done and recorded at least because I'm meeting my friend Mark. We're going to go see Pirates later this afternoon at a new uh, new movie theater actually here that opened in Michigan, uh, which uh, has even bowling alleys in it. <laughs> Not actually in the theaters themselves, but in the center that they built, let's just say. So anyway, more about that maybe later on, uh, but let's get going. Set a course for Earth, maximum war. I'm Captain Kirk. At ease before you sprain something. All six track and geek related movies deeply killed traffic and or This mission would have failed without your help. I won't be speaking. Captain Cardassians yet. Not with, we're not done with the Cardassians yet. Not with the strategic importance of that world. And how you approach well, welcome to the podcast again, everyone. I appreciate all of you downloading once again Treks in Sci-Fi to listen to while you're at work, driving maybe in the car, uh, going about your business, maybe working out. Who knows what you're doing as you listen to this? Well, maybe there are some things I don't want to know. <laughs> anyway, uh, it's uh, early Sunday like I uh, typically record on. I uh, feel a little bit more hazy than normal. I'm trying to get this podcast uh, uh, finished up and, and done before I head out to an uh, early uh, afternoon movie uh, a showing of Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides. Uh, I'm looking forward to it a lot. I, you know, they've been really saying that they tried to make this one uh, a lot more adventurous and exciting and, and fun, kind of like in the spirit of maybe the first of the Pirates movies. I felt the last two kind of got off the beaten path a little bit more. 
So uh, I'm looking forward to it. I, I love uh, sword play in movies, I, I, swashbuckling, and and all of that. And and Johnny Depp is always great. Even in the in two and three, I thought he still was fun to watch. So uh, this should be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to uh, going to that later on at this new Imagine Theater in Royal Oak, Michigan, that opened. That I was saying earlier, it actually has uh, restaurants and bowling alleys. Uh, the I think movie theaters now, when they make new ones, they're trying to make these places a little bit special and a little different to get people to go. Uh, they're trying to get people out of their comfortable couches and their HD TVs and all of that and get them out there in the real world and, and go see a movie. Uh, the way I feel that big movies were meant to be seen, I... I've said many, many, many times on the show that I I love going to the movies, especially during the summer when you get these big, huge uh, productions and big blockbuster movies. I'm probably going to try to hit a movie almost every week uh, as it goes through the summer here. There's there's pretty much just about something every week I want to see. Next week, not a sci-fi type movie, but I'm uh, so really looking forward to seeing The Hangover 2. I love that kind of a movie. Well, I don't know if there is that kind of a movie, but the previews make it look a lot of fun, and I love the first one. So, And I may go see a couple maybe next weekend. We'll see how that works out. Uh, what else? Uh, I'll just cover a few quick little stories here, and then we're going to get right into the TNG episode. I don't have a whole lot to say. Uh, the Star Trek movie script they're still working on from what I just read this morning again. Although they're saying now, they're making this comment about uh, these guys are out promoting J.J. and his and his team and his writers are out promoting and getting uh, ready to... Um, Uh, have Super 8 come out, which comes out in June, which I think is going to be a great movie. But I really think these guys have taken on too many projects at the same time. They have some fall uh, TV stuff coming. Uh, They're they're just all over the place. And I'm, I'm, and I've said this before, I think this, uh, who knows, I'm really going to be shocked if in 13 months they can pull, pull together both filming and post-production on a Star Trek movie. I, I'll be shocked. I hope they don't uh, cheat it by doing that, you know, don't cut corners or whatever. I still, I don't know, I wouldn't be surprised if they push it till, you know, they push the de- the the release date to Christmas of 2012 instead of the summer. Of course, that's still to be determined. They've set that June, uh, end of June release date for the movie a long time ago. Gosh, I think a year ago or something like that. So, when they set an arbitrary date a little bit like that, I, I think that's, you know, it's both a good and a bad thing. Gives you a target, but, you know, that also sets you on a course for, you know, if something else comes up, you may not be able to make it. So who knows? They did the same thing, really, with the, the, the 2009 Trek movie. They had set a date of, of Christmas time, November, December, and actually it was Christmas Day, if I remember correctly, it was supposed to come out on in uh, 2008 and things uh, took longer than they had expected or whatever the reason was and they pushed it till the summer i still think that a lot of it had to do with they wanted the summer box office more i think they probably could have pushed it out and and had it pretty much jj has always said and gone on record and saying the movie was basically done at that point and they did it more for scheduling reasons so um but that's uh you know who knows we'll see what happens uh a couple little um things that I kind of wanted to uh, announce or, or talk about it and kind of promote a little bit. I found this website. I'm not sure how I found this. Sometimes I just stumble across these things or find a link somebody put out on Facebook or Twitter. 
Uh, I have that site, uh, the Babe of the Day site, or Babe or Hunk of the Day, that, that you can find via treksandsci-fi.com. There's a Star Trek Daily pick and a, and a weekly uh, pick for a uh, sci-fi fantasy babe or hunk, you know, actors and actresses that fit that bill. Something uh, that I found that I thought was pretty cool, they have this site, uh, it's called Pinups for Pink. And what this, if you go over to, let's see, the, the URL looks like it's pinupsforpink.myshopify.com. I'll, I'll put it in the podcast notes. But what I really like about this, uh, what it is, is you can get a calendar with uh, celebrities and, and, and women in uh, entertainment and things like that that are done sort of in old-style pinup form, you know, fully clothed, very classy-looking. You know, this isn't pornography. Uh, I don't think by anybody's stretch of imagination. I certainly wouldn't be talking about that on the podcast. But they have, uh, again, they're, you know, they're, it, it's like the old 50s style of pinups that they've done in calendar form. But it's called Pinups for Pink because the proceeds, all the proceeds that they get for selling these calendars, you can get either a paper version one or I got the, the just the digital downloaded one, which just comes with 12, uh, basically 12 very high-resolution JPEGs that you can use for the desktop on your computer or, or whatever. One for each month, of course. Actually, I think there might be 13 because I think there's a cover one, too. I'll have to take a look at that uh, at the break. But uh, they, uh, th- this is great. But the, the what the charity is, you probably may have already guessed, anything with a pink-type charity, if you're familiar with this, is is for women and for breast cancer. My wife, a few years ago, uh, she did that walk. They have this walk every year for breast cancer, this three-day walk where they walk about 20 miles each day for three days in a row, which, I don't know, that's just, to me, incredible, (laughs) especially doing it three days in a row. I know Brian's there probably rolling his eyes and saying, ah, that's nothing. I run marathons and swim in the ocean or whatever he does, (laughs) bicycles, but but Brian, not everyone can do that, really. And and for your average person to be able to go out and, and walk 20 miles three days in a row, well, I, I know Lynn trained a lot for that when she did it. But anyway, this a new thing, much easier to, to make a donation or, or, or to participate. You just go to their website, uh, click the you know appropriate link, and you can PayPal it or, or, or throw it on a, a credit card. And again, all the money goes to charity, and I think it's a great cause. And the only sci-fi-related celebrity, though, I, I, I recognize some of the other names, but uh, Amanda Tapping, who, of course, was on Stargate and is on that cool uh, new show, uh, or not really new anymore. They've, they're in their, like, third season or whatever, fourth season, Sanctuary, uh, longtime sci-fi uh uh, genre actress. Uh, anyway, Amanda's on, let's see, which one was she? I think she was maybe August's, I think, or something like that. She's in sort of like a, uh, sort of a secretary office type uh, girl outfit. Uh, very classy again. You you almost don't recognize some of these people because they've, they've so uh, made them more, you know, pinup style and artistic and all that. They've done a lot of Photoshop work. So, but in the faces, you can kind of notice, you know, who the person is. Um, but anyway, I, I that's all probably all I really need to say about it. If you're interested in this, uh, make a donation to a very worthy cause. Just go over to the link again. I'll put it in the podcast notes, or just do a Google search. I'm sure if you search for pinups for pink, uh, you'll be able to find this. So um, that's a, a very very cool thing, and I think it's a great idea. I'm going to take a very short break. I'll come back uh, maybe with a couple more little tidbits 
And during this break, I am going to play a uh, an audio uh, of something Med sent in. He sent in a little review of a recent comic book, I believe, that he read. Something a little different for the podcast, not just talking about, you know, whatever the subject is for the week. And I love that stuff. You know, book reviews, TV shows, movies, any anything that you guys want to talk about, send in audio to treksf at gmail.com and I'll play it. Or, you know, for whatever the subject is for the week. We've got some of those coming up later in today's show. So, Anyway, here we go with Meds and his review. I think this was a, a, a Superman, a recent Superman comic. So take it away, Meds. Hi, Rico. This is uh, Hawkeye Meds, or Meds, from uh, the forums and, of course, Waffle On podcast, Mash 4077 podcast, and, of course, Martian Creative. Uh, I just wanted to uh, say a few words about um, Action Comics number 900. It's a 96-page spectacular, uh, $5.99, obviously by DC. It's Superman. Um, main writers for this one, Paul Cornell, who a lot of people may know as being a uh, novelist for Doctor Who, and also wrote uh, one of the episodes uh, for the Tenant era, uh, and Pete Woods and uh, Jesus Marino. Um, it's a fabulous-looking cover. Um, the basis of this is it comes from the story, the Black Ring finale, uh, Reign of Doomsday. Um, the regular characters that turned up at the end of the death of Superman is in this, uh, you know, Steel, uh, Clone Superman, um, the Cyborg Superman, and the, the Boy Superman. Uh, Supergirl is also in this as well. The uh, drawing and the story is absolutely fantastic. Uh, fantastic. Uh, Lex Luthor is, um, as some of you may be already aware of the story, unfortunately I'm not. I've only just bought this one, so I'm a little bit behind, but um, cause put, put it this way. I am really tempted to go and buy all the back issues. Lex Luthor seems to have some kind of godly powers, which is in space and is illuminated. He's absolutely huge, and um, he's matching Superman uh, for everything he's got. Um, but the main story is the fact that there's, it turns out to be there's hundreds and hundreds of all these doomda- uh, doomsdays at the end. Um, God knows how they're going uh, to fight it, but it's, it's a beautiful story. And the drawing is fantastic. I mentioned on the forums about um, Superman's outfit when we were talking about Smallville. And the fact I, I'm not a great fan of the Superman Returns outfit. I think the S is too small. Um, but the, if, you, if you do buy this comic, which I really do suggest you do, the uh, S on the outfit is absolutely brilliant. It really is good. Um, thoroughly, uh, thoroughly enjoy the whole read. Now, um, as with a lot of comics, obviously there's always a couple of stories in them. And this one goes up... About to page 52, and then we have a, another uh, section of stories, and these are Life Support, um, written by uh, Damien Lindoff, a uh, wonderful artist, Ryan Sukin, that one. That's a really nice little story about um, before Krypton's destroyed, and it's about um, getting Superman off there. It's a lovely little story. Uh, that's followed by Autobiography uh, by Paul Dini, uh, Friday Night in the 21st Century by Jeff Johns, uh, the Incident by David S. Goya, Only Human by Richard Donner and Derek Hoffman. Whoa, come on, it's Richard Donner. Um, who obviously, as people will know, bought a Superman 1 and Superman 2, although unfairly treated on Superman 2. Um, the Evolution of the Man of Tomorrow by um, uh, the artist of that one is Brian Stolfees. And, uh, and that's it. But it's uh, all that in a, a, a huge comic of 96 uh, pages. I say for $6, my sound a, a lot. But it's a, it's a brilliant comic, it really is. It only cost me actually about um, £3 over here in England. Um, so I do suggest you go out and get it. It's a brilliant uh, brilliant comic. Anyway, that's, uh, that's all from me. Uh, it is dated June 2011, though, I, I will point that out. Uh, can't can't uh, speak uh, enough of it. Anyway, thanks, Rico, and I look forward to hearing the podcast. Take care. Bye-bye. 
Thanks very much for your comments on Action Comics number 900, uh, Meds. Uh, I really appreciate that, and like I said, it's always fun to have something a little different to play. Uh, I miss the Dufsters uh, book reviews especially, and uh, you know anyone else who wants to send in a review of a book, uh, it could be sci-fi, fantasy, Star Trek, you know, any any kind of book that's related to this, you know, enjoyable, geeky stuff, uh, send it on in. Uh, yeah, I haven't picked that comic up, but after you're uh, listening to what you had to say about it, I'll try to pick it up. I've read action comics and Superman comics off and on over the years. It's not, they're not my favorite comics to read. I've, I've always thought that the character has, a, you know, it's a, it's a really tricky character to do. Uh, in comic form or in TV or movie form, really, just because he's so powerful and all of that. But uh, I'll, I'll definitely try to pick that one up and check it out. Uh, I'm a big fan of comics, of course, and artwork and, and that, so uh, I will be looking for it. Uh, a couple last little things that I wanted to mention. Uh, there's a couple of new series coming on in the, in the fall that both look pretty interesting, and there are previews on YouTube, and we've put previews on the forums for these Once Upon a Time and the other uh, one is called Grimm. Both sort of fairy tale type stories to a degree, uh, where where some you know some things maybe that are fantastical and and fantasy based uh, things that are are become kind of real in the real world. Anyway, I just wanted to give you guys a quick heads up if you want to kind of keep up on this as we get uh, move through the summer towards the fall. Both of these look like interesting series, especially since. Uh, so many of the genres, the the genre shows this year uh, ended up on the, you know on the pretty much on the scrap heap, unfortunately. So uh, we've got some new stuff coming, so that'll be good. Uh, I've been enjoying uh, wrapping up some of the the, the seasons. Uh, I uh, you know a non-genre show that had a big big finale this year was Castle with Nathan Fillion. I thought that was great, and I've got to finish a couple other things, a couple of Vampire Diary episodes to finish up, and. What else? Uh, of course, Smallville is finished. I've watched that. And uh, Big Bang Theory just did their final episode for the season as well, which had some fun stuff. So uh, that's, I think, mostly what I wanted to cover. I, not a lot really going on in the news this this, yeah, this year, <laughs> this week. Uh, nothing nothing dramatic or whatever, unless you're into, you know, learning about all of Arnold Schwarzenegger's, uh, you know, illegitimate children everywhere or whatever. But, uh, hey. Come on, the guy's, you know, back when he was a big bodybuilder, muscle, you know, guy in the early days, he was he was a well-known womanizer. So is it a surprise to anyone? Eh, I don't think so. So enough about that, though. Let's uh, take a short break here, and I will come back. Uh, it's going to be a real short break, and we'll come back and get right into the TNG episode, We'll Always Have Paris. You are listening to Ego Dusty on Treks and Sci-Fi. All right, here we go with the episode. We'll always have Paris. Captain's log, Stardate 41697.9. We're en route to Sarona 8 for much-needed shore leave. The entire crew is looking forward to the diversion. On a personal note, I have allowed myself the luxury of a head start. Now we've got a scene here where two guys uh, going at it fencing. I took advantage. No, no, Lieutenant. The advantage was yours. Come again. And it's Picard and, and some other guy that we have never uh, seen before at this point. Oh, God. Hey. 
I took a couple uh, fencing classes and did a little in college. So I've always liked when they actually do real fencing in a TV or movie. And they're doing a pretty good job with this from what I can remember of doing it. I haven't done it in a long time, but... Interesting move, sir. What technique was that? The technique of a desperate man. Interesting move, sir. What technique was that? The technique of a desperate man. Captain. They basically what was that? just replayed like the same sequence again and obviously noticed what happened. The Carter Bridge. Captain. Number one. Did something unusual just occur on the bridge? Yes, sir. We experienced some kind of loop where everything repeats itself. Here, too. I'm on my way. Ah, card in his fencing outfit on the bridge. Sensors show nothing, sir, <laughs> but it appears a moment in time repeated itself exactly for everyone. It was like a feeling of deja vu. Reports coming in from all decks, sir. Computers were also affected, sir, which would indicate the phenomenon was not an illusion, but occurred in real time. Number one, find out if anything similar happened in this sector. Sir, I am receiving an emergency transmission from the Pegasus Miner system. Put it on. 542.2. I repeat, this is Dr. Paul Mannheim. We are in need of help. Urgent. All ships, please. Respond. I repeat. Coordinates are six six seven two eight point nine by seven zero seven five. It is an automated signal, sir. I am unable to establish contact. This is Doctor. Shut it off. The card seems to recognize. Laying a course on those coordinates. What's going on, or the name? Captain, you act as if there's a connection between the time distortion and the distress signal. There is. Paul Mannheim. Fifteen years ago, he went off to work on experiments relating to nonlinear time. It appears he may have achieved some measure of success. Speed warp eight. I sir, warp eight. Engage. All right, we'll dial down the intro here, give you some background on this episode. This was episode, I think, let's see, production order number uh, 24 for the series. It first aired way back on uh, May the 2nd, Space. 1988. It is directed by Robert the Becker. It's written by uh, Deborah Dean Davis and Hannah Louise Shearer. There are several guest stars in this, uh, especially uh, the Mannheims, uh, Dr. Paul Mannheim and his wife, uh, Janice, uh, the, the idea of this story a little bit is got a few things going on. Uh, there's sort of a love story element with Picard and an old flame. There is a science type thing going on with this time distortion and, and, and things that happen aboard the Enterprise and that. But, it, it, you know, one of the things I wanted to go back and, and look at is another first season episode. I've covered a few and this looked like a good one to pick. Uh, the and I'll talk more about this as we go. One of the interesting things about this episode 
that makes it a little maybe a little disjointed and maybe not the best and a little different is this actually this episode was being filmed and worked on right during the time there was a writers a guild strike out in Hollywood back way back in 1988 and the the actually were filming the episode got you know about you know three quarters through the episode and, and basically ran out of pages and had to kind of uh well, there's an interesting story that I've read here uh, about how they sort of finished off the episode, and I'll, I'll relay that a little bit later when we get to uh, later in the episode as we get towards the Estimated end. Estimated arrival, Pagos Minor, 4 hours, 35 minutes, 17 seconds. I've never heard of Paul Mannheim. Mr. Data. A highly respected scientist, considered a visionary. He advanced several time-related theories. One regarding the relationships between time and gravity was quite intriguing, but neither that theory nor any other received wide acceptance. Fifteen years ago, he assembled a team of scientists to expand that research. They disappeared. Haven't been heard from since. Did you know him, Captain? I knew of him. He was teaching at the university when I was in Paris, but I uh, didn't have the pleasure. I must change. Number one, inform me half an hour before we reach those coordinates and keep trying to determine if the time distortion was specifically located on the Enterprise. Yes, sir. Captain, excuse me. Yes, what is it, Counselor? I think you would prefer to discuss this in private. And that's not necessary. Go on. When Professor Mannheim's name was mentioned, you reacted with intense emotion. Yes, please get to the point. I don't want to interfere with your personal life. Oh, yes, you do. But unresolved on. strong emotion can affect judgment. Well, thank you for your concern. As ship's counselor, I offer my assistance. What do you suggest? Confronting deep personal issues is not easy for you. You tend to suppress them. There are a few hours until we arrive. Perhaps you should use this time to analyze your feelings and put them into perspective. Thank you, Counselor. If I should need you further, I'll let you know. Yeah. I think it's funny here because you get a little bit of Troy and her um, early in TNG's era of where she was trying to sort of have a different kind of voice and accent. And it... It comes off sort of mixed at times. Now Picard is down um, in sort of the rec room area where he's putting away his fencing foil. And it, he doesn't look all that happy, really, still. Bridge. Belay that. Computer. Estimated arrival at Pegos Minor. Two hours, nine minutes. I like the fact that uh, one thing that here that's going on a little differently is that they, you know, when there's an emergency that they're not almost instantly there. Captain Picard. Holodeck 3 is clear. Location Paris. Café des Artistes. As it appeared 22 years ago. April the 9th, 1500 hours, 3 o'clock. Warm spring day. Program complete. Whoa. 
gosh, you know, wouldn't that be the coolest thing, just to have a holodeck that you can just walk on and have it, you know, pick out any Monsieur, day, time, place? welcome to the Café des Artistes. Is this your first time in Paris? No. Uh, this way. I'm from here, you know, you That's crazy right. man. Bien sûr, monsieur, bien sûr. Monsieur, come on. So you see a nice little matte painting here out the out the uh, side of the cafe. You can see the Eiffel Tower, and it's nice to see for a change. You know, Picard. You know where he's from, supposedly. I've been away far too long. There's some wine, some cheese. I'm not very hungry. I, I really came for the view. Perhaps what you hunger for is not on the menu. Perhaps not. It was many years ago. I had a rendezvous. I was to meet someone. Someone. Here, at that very table. Your young lady, she did not come. Actually, I don't know. I always imagined that she did. You, however, did not. Ah. Well, trust Edouard. I will bring something very special just for you. They've even got pigeons here on this scene and, and set, Let's which go, huh? We've waited long enough. Which makes Can it, you, go? you know, pretty Let's authentic. Stay a longer. He's not coming, Gabriel. No. After last night, I know he will. I just know Then he would be here. You are making a fool out of yourself, and I will not watch you. Do we know each other? No. The way you look at me, do I remind you of someone? No. Yes, you do somewhat. It's kind of fun to see Picard a little bit out of funny. his normal element here in this. Why? Talking to a pretty girl in a cafe. Maybe you did nothing. Maybe he had no choice. Maybe he was afraid. What? Of me? Oh, of being connected, rooted. Perhaps if he's as young as you are, he doesn't know yet exactly what it is he wants to do. Maybe... So he's obviously, you know, Picard's reminiscing... Of self-indulgence. ...talking of, about uh, Exit. really himself. And he, of course, he, Picard has always had trouble facing things like that, so he kind of says, ah, this is not right. I'll go back up to the bridge. Sulk there. Captain, we've received communication from the freighter Lalo, as well as from a farming colony on Coltair 4. Both described the same time distortion. The captain of the Lalo described it as a hiccup. Hiccup? Actually, sir, that may be an incorrect analogy. How so, Data? A hiccup is a spasmatic inhalation with closure of the glottis accompanied by a peculiar sound. If we were to continue this analogy to a body function, what occurred would be best represented by Enough a... data. <laughs> have you been able to learn any more specifics about the Mannheim project? All I have found, sir, is what you already know. Mannheim was concentrating on time-gravity experiments when he left. Captain, we've reached the coordinates specified. There's nothing here. 
I'm receiving new coordinates. It's a relay signal. Same source as the first one. What are they, Worf? 664.8 by 1323.7 by 4949.9. Very remote area, sir. It's in the middle of the Vandor system, a binary star system. Main star is a B-class giant. The companion star is a pulsar. Set course for the new coordinates, Mr. LaForge. Aye, sir. The, Why uh, is he making it this difficult to find him? Hopefully he'll tell us, number one. One of the things that I find strange about this is the coordinates that they use in this episode aren't don't really correspond to other coordinates that they've used in, in we have other times. The coordinates, Captain. Usually the they go like it's you know bearing four, this mark that. Planetoid and elliptical orbit around the binary system. Standard orbit, Mr. Laporte. Hi, sir. Give me a visual. View screen on. There's a small force field on the planet. Latitude twenty degrees nine minutes north. Longitude, 40 degrees, two minutes east of the present Terminator. Penetrable? No, sir. Open hailing frequencies. Hailing frequencies open, sir. This is Captain... This is the captain of the USS Enterprise responding to your call for help. Enterprise, thank you for hearing us. Where are you? Uh, we're in orbit around Vandor now. Then you can help me. I, I don't know what to do. It's only the two of us left. He's having convulsions. Please. Can you lock onto her coordinates? No, sir. The force field is preventing any kind of contact other than audio. There is a force field at your location. Yes, I know. Good. But it is preventing us from helping you. Now, you must try to find some way to shut it down. I'll try. You notice, obviously, Picard there didn't use his name. He just said, you know, he kind of stumbled. Force field is off. Good. Lock onto their coordinates. Beam them up directly to sickbay. Dr. Crusher, prepare for a medical emergency. Two to beam directly up to sickbay. We'll be ready, Captain. That's where I'll be. Number one, Mr. Data. Oh, just take everyone from the bridge. Come on. So two beamed up, um, there's a blonde woman and a, and a guy who's kind of convulsing, older man and a, with a beard. How long has he been like this? Several hours, at least. He was in his lab, so I can't be sure. I need to do some tests. I, um... Jean-Luc. I thought the voice sounded familiar. Hello. I should have known. Who else would have charged to my rescue? <laughs> so Data and, and Riker behind Picard are giving each other a look, like rolling their eyes and... This is my first officer, Commander William Riker. It's a pretty funny scene. Lieutenant Commander Data. They're not used to, you know, attractive women coming this aboard and knowing Jean-Luc. Mannheim. A pleasure, Mrs. Mannheim. Thank you. I have a number of questions for you. I hope I can be of some help. Why don't we sit down? Yeah. You said that there were only two of you left. What happened to the rest of the crew? They were working at the second lab. 
Something happened there a few weeks ago. They were all killed. It was a terrible accident. I, I don't know exactly what happened. So many brilliant, wonderful minds. Just gone. Do you know the nature of Dr. Mannheim's work? Paul's always been interested in time. He's never believed that it was immutable any more than space is immutable. Over the last decade, he came to believe that we reside in one of infinite dimensions. And what holds us here is the constancy of time. Change that and it would be what he called opening the window to those other dimensions. Which begins to explain what happened. Have you been experiencing something up here? Yes, what is emanating here is having repercussions light years away, maybe even further. That would explain his anxiety. I had no idea it had gone so far beyond Vandor. This is uh, actress Michelle Phillips, uh, also uh, was one of the uh, people or singer in the Mamas and the Papas, a uh, 60s uh, singing group. A planetoid group. around a binary star. Because of the dense gravity of the pulsar. Did your husband ever attempt to define these dimensions, give you an idea of what he expected? No. But he did say that he was very close to proving his theories. And then the accident. Did he anticipate that these experiments might be dangerous? I didn't think so. But now, in retrospect, yeah. he probably did. Yeah, they're probably pretty dangerous, the you know. precautions he began taking, even before the accident. The force field, the elaborate security system, and every time he started a new experiment, he insisted that I stay in what he called a protected room. Uh-huh, and that's why you weren't affected. Jean-Luc, he would never knowingly do anything to hurt anyone. Yes, I believe that. But as he saw his goal getting closer, seeming possible, he became more and more obsessive. Maybe that clouded his judgment. Yeah, I think you guys need to go down there and look around. It's not Come how on. I imagined seeing you again. Nor are you. You've done well. A great starship on the far reaches of the galaxy. It's everything you'd hoped. Uh, not exactly. Nothing works just as you hope. If you can't tell us any more, I need to send a team down to the lab. You can't. It's protected. One of the young scientists made sure no one could get in. Uh, excuse me. Is he worse? He's resting. But I'd like you to undergo some tests yourself. My nurse will start them. Thank you for your kindness, doctor. And she gives Picard a little kiss on the cheek and then and then exits the room, which everyone's like kind of... Data's even kind of smiling. I gathered that. <laughs> it's her husband I'm more concerned with at the moment. What's the prognosis? I believe he's dying. His neurochemistry has been affected, but I don't know how or why. I've never encountered anything like it before. How long does he have? Maybe a couple of days. It's hard to predict. All I can do is maintain him or attempt to maintain him until I find out what's causing the damage. Can we talk to him? Not now. Not yet. Incidentally, Captain, the effects of the time distortions are now being felt in the Illicom system. So Riker and Data, Picard are all back in the, the turbo lift. decade, Mannheim has turned some vague theories into a practical application. Yes, but without his help, I'm not sure we'll be able to pose any intelligent questions, let alone come up with any solutions. 
Incidentally, Captain, the effects of the time distortions are now being felt in the Illicom system. And the door opens it's and they before we see the themselves. It's happening again. I feel no disorientation, nor do I. What was that? I believe what could be termed as the Mannheim effect is becoming more pronounced. This is where we started. If we are us. Oh, we are us, sir. But they are also us. So indeed, we are both us. At different points along the same time continuum. And now the door opens again and they're they're not there. So uh, the three sort of new ones get into the turbulent. Pretty freaky stuff and uh, pretty good camera work actually at this time. Uh, some of this was done with, with we kind of we fairly scan of the tricky planet, ways. Sir. We've discovered the second lab on the CGI. planet, completely destroyed, unable to determine what caused it. Otherwise, very little to clarify this situation. Our sensors show an immense volume of energy emanating deep within the planet and concentrated near Mannheim's remaining laboratory. How is the energy being used? No idea. What's its source? I cannot be sure, sir. But I believe Mannheim has developed a method for harnessing energy from the pulsar. It comes down to this, Captain. We've learned everything we can from here, and we are no closer to understanding it than we were 12 hours ago. Mannheim is unable to help us, but hopefully, having been a good scientist, he kept notes. I would need to study Mannheim's records. In order to do that, we're going to have to go down there. What about the defense system Mrs. Mannheim spoke of? It may have been connected to the main system, and when she lowered the shield, she may have turned that off as well. If not, we'll deal with it as best we can. Prepare your team. Aye, sir. Like the uh, use of the type of music they're using in this episode to very, yes, you know, kind of mysterious what's going on. Energize. Some of the early TNG musics in the early season, and actually throughout the uh, seasons, I, I think they did a great job. It's a lack of integrity at the landing point. I'm losing them. Bring them back. Beam down's no. not going very well. Chief Herbert, what's going on? There seems to be some kind of strange bouncing effect. I can't get them to materialize. My readings aren't complete. Keep trying. I'm losing them. Meet Chief O'Brien, come on. He's got two back. He's got Riker and Data. What are we doing back here? You're lucky you made it back at all, sir. Where am I? Seems like with the distortion stuff, and I don't know, maybe they do uh, attempt it, but they should take try to take maybe a shuttlecraft down. You're on the USS Enterprise. They answered your distress signal. I sent one. Oh, Paul, you're going to be just fine. No, I am not fine, Janice. I'm not even close to fine. Bridge, this is Dr. Crusher. Professor Mannheim is conscious. Remember, it was worth it what happened. What will happen, all of it, it was all worth it. Again. It's changing again. What is? What do you see? I am having difficulty. With what? Are you in pain? I have been on the other side. I have touched another dimension. Part of me is still there. Help him. 
Try to stay calm, Doctor. Yeah, Mohan. I think he's lost it a little here. I don't think it's going to help you struggling against it. My mind is floating between two places. It is difficult to know which is which. There is no way to explain it. Doctor Mannheim, I'm Captain Picard. The same one. She has told me about you. Not all, but enough. We need your help. The situation is not good. It will get worse. What do we do? How do we stop it? I'm having difficulty holding the moment. Doctor, this is Lieutenant Commander Data. Will you explain the situation to him? I'm fully versed, sir, on all your theories regarding time and gravity. How is that possible? <laughs> I am not even fully versed on all of my theories. I am an android. Android? <laughs> A Starfleet vessel? I am the only one, sir. Your knowledge is useless. Because the work we have done here has made most of those theories obsolete. Then you have harnessed a dynamic energy source. Then you do understand, yes. We were able to locate an energy source in the center of this planetide. We learned to enhance it, to focus it. Everything worked too well. The energy from the pulsar, the energy from the planetoid. He opened a crack, a window into another dimension. Kind of reminds me a little bit of the TOS episode, the alternative factor with Lazarus and that. that, uh, The range is at least several thousand light years. The idea of all these intersecting dimensions and times. You must help me to execute a controlled shutdown of this experiment. Get my notes, they are in the lab. How do we bypass the security system? I'll give you the correct coordinates to beam safely down to Vandal. And the codes you need to bypass security systems to get into my lab. Just use password for my password. Yeah, this guy does not look too good here. If what the professor has given me is accurate, it is possible to repair the damage. But it must be perfectly timed to coincide with another time distortion episode. Can we predict the timing? I believe so, sir. We have to. If we don't seal that hole, this other dimension he's open will rip into the fabric of the galaxy. Reality as we perceive it will not be the same. Sorry if you heard that tone again, that silly uh, email program. I gotta remember to shut that off. Checked again. No one is beaming down to Vandal unless we can be reasonably sure they can get through. Aye, sir. I'm sorry for intruding. I was told I'd find you here. You're not intruding. We're just finished. Come in. Thank you. One of the tricky and things about this episode, I think, that they kind of missed out on is is uh, the relationship between this Genis uh, and uh, Picard. I knew you wouldn't come to me. The writers originally wanted Nothing it to be a lot more intimate, wanted them actually to get into bed with each other at one we point. We have unfinished business. But I guess uh, especially uh, yes, Patrick Stewart shot that idea down. Why didn't you didn't come think to me it was appropriate. Stay in Paris? I was afraid. Oh. I didn't want this. What? The truth. Oh, you want me to lie? Of course. <laughs> She's asking him why Life he didn't show up at, in Paris to see her. Lie. Oh, I got the days confused. I thought it was Tuesday when it was Wednesday. I went to the Café Moulin instead of the Café des Artistes. Ah, that's better. It was raining and you couldn't find a cab. Mm-hmm. I waited all day. 
And it was raining. It rained the rest of the week. I went to Starfleet headquarters looking for you, but you'd already shipped out. So. Well, that's a bummer. Come on, Jean-Luc. Let's hear the truth. It was fear. Fear of seeing you losing my resolve. Fear of staying. Losing myself. Fear that neither of these choices was right and that... and that either would have... For a long time, not a day went by that I didn't look up into the sky and wonder. Each time that I returned to Earth, my thoughts were filled with you. I've thought a lot about this over the years. And perhaps you're leaving out your greatest fear. The real reason you left. Which was? That life with me would have somehow made you ordinary. scene I kind of uh, like seeing Picard a little bit like this a little bit more relaxed and, and laughing and, and that even of course when the universe is falling apart around him now we're back in uh, sick bay Dr. Crusher's trying to help uh, Mannheim he's unconscious at this time and... I wish I could talk to you Professor Mannheim I bet you were really something Vienna. I wanted to see how he was doing. The same. Nothing I do seems to make any difference. That's not why you're here. I thought I was the empath. Are you all right? Why wouldn't I be? I've got one of the medical wonders of the galaxy dying in my sick bay. <laughs> That's not what I meant. Girl talk. I think I want to Time talk for some about girl what talk. I think you mean. Captain Picard. I can't compete with a ghost from his past. No one could. She's not a ghost. She's here right now. She may be in the here and now, but it's the ghost he sees. Excuse me. I have to get back to my patient. How soon, Mr. Data? If Dr. Mannheim's information is correct, by my calculations, the next time distortion should occur between 28 to 47 minutes. Breach, this is sickbay. Dr. Mannheim is awake and asking to speak to you, Captain. Alone. On my way, Doctor. I could probably slide in here. The way they finally finished the script off for this is they actually got the writers on, on the phone 
even though they were during the strike and asked them like kind of yes or no questions like if you weren't on strike would you write it this way and that's how they got them to kind of finish off the script kind of kind of did things a little uh, under the table what i really wanted to talk to you about is janice and why her name is not janice it's janice it is only this if anything should go wrong Please take care of her for me. Okay, um, sure. Yeah, okay, I can do that. Of course. You're the captain's woman until I say you're not. You never would admit this. But she has had a terrible time these last years. Had oh, tell me more. So isolated, she might have left me, and I never would have known. At least. Not right away. Perhaps I'm not a man who should have a woman like her. <laughs> she deserves better. Yes, she does. You underestimate her. I know. Because I once did. A little Lipton tea for the morning here. In both cases, the time distortions occurred along the same continuum as a preview or a reprise of a specific point in time. Where we are, where we were, and where we will be. Data, I want this to be an away team of one. You. I don't think there's any reason to risk anyone else. It is reasonable, sir. After all, I am a machine and dispensable. Indispensable is the appropriate word. I think it should be only you, because you seem more able to control the effects of the time distortion. Oh, I see, sir. That is quite true, sir. I see time as a constant, whereas humans perceive time as flexible. Hence the expression, time flies when you're having fun, which until now has always confused me. Well, I want you to put a stitch in time and uh, save much more than nine. Sir? If other members of the away team became disoriented, it could create additional problems and perhaps increase the danger. I will go immediately, sir. Good luck, Data. So this All is, right. uh, so Data's on the we transporter the pad exactly and as the professor specified. Jordy's down there to help out because, you know, transporter chief, whatever his name is, can't handle it. A lot of this end here they did uh, with uh, some of the last notes that they got from the scriptwriters, and they also problem. figured to shoot. You know, the, the way to shoot I'm this three data is a different time stream. Maintain they use a thing called a whip pan, right, and it's it's not really a, uh, a a true effect shot. It's just camera work. Now data is being blasted by some automated defense. Like maybe Mannheim could have mentioned that. Mr. Data, what's going on? Dr. Mannheim forgot to mention one of his security precautions, sir. I am proceeding into the laboratory. Good thing I have to bring my phaser with me anyways, so. He's got a small, uh, small type one phaser too that you don't see a lot except in the early uh, seasons of TNG. 
data got this little uh, doorway thing open, had to sort of slip through, it didn't open all the way. And now there's a really interesting effect here in this lab room where it's like there's different points in time sort of shifting. This channel will remain open. Please continue to report. This appears to be the instrument Dr. Mannheim described. It should confirm when the next time effect will occur. Data? Did Mannheim give you enough information to decipher the security code? I will know in a moment, sir. According to calculations, the next time effect will occur in one minute, 30 seconds. What's the next step, Mr. Data? I will need to add a specific amount of antimatter to rebalance and align the system. Will that plug the hole? Theoretically, yes. In reality, I do not know. So Data goes over to this other council when and the effect hits, pulls out this little kind of the canister. The will align, opening a clean, straight path to the other dimension. Whatever the time distortion, I must add the antimatter at the appropriate moment. Jordy, if the professor was right, I will need a 27-second countdown. You've got it, Data. Captain, I now have the antimatter and am moving towards the opening at the end of the lab. The next time distortion should occur within seconds. Jordy, begin countdown on my mark. Now, 27, 26, 25, 24, 24 20, 20, 23, 20, 21, 21, 21, 21, 21, 21, 21, 21, 21, only one of us is in the correct time continuum. Which one? Me. It's me. Six, five, five, four, four, three, 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 two, two, one, one. Data? Report, are you all right? So yeah, there were yes, three sir. three datas. They kind of moved in together. Pretty neat effect. It is well patched, sir. Closed indicates a permanent condition, which I cannot guarantee. Patched is good enough. Well done. Beam back immediately. With pleasure, sir. This is amazing. All your readings are completely normal. So it looks like Mannheim is better now that Where they patched the little right? time uh, right time hole. Denise. Paul. The effect has been reversed. I can feel it. We're safe. How is he? He needs rest. There might be some residual effects, but other than that, he'll be all right. I feel like I'm coming out of a long tunnel. It's there. Not at all like I thought it would be different. Describe it. I can't. Not yet. I kind of think it would have been more the interesting if, if Janice did, so was a little vibrant. bit less committed to her husband and it's wanted like Picard again or something like that, perhaps. Is this kind of life not, not like us? Not not like this. What's the condition of my lab? Intact for the most part. Don't tell me we're going back. 
Oh, Denise, we are so close. We have learned so much to walk away. Uh, I think that's a really good idea. There have been so many sacrifices by so many good people. We'll be going back. Mm -hmm. Yes, I can see that. I'm sure the Federation will want to help in any way that it can. Thank you. This time, it will be different. I promise. <laughs> it always is, my love. You said my life would never be dull. And it never has been. Yeah, Picard's like, uh, yeah, maybe I should leave now, huh? Computer, this is Counselor Troy. Request access. Do you wish to terminate the current program? No, continue the program. Enter when ready. The captain is waiting for you inside. So Troy takes uh, Janice down to uh, the holodeck. It's Paris! Unbelievable. Madame, this way. The captain is waiting for you. This is so real. Bien sûr. Pourquoi pas? Pourquoi pas? Jean-Luc, don't tell me how you did it. I don't care. It's perfect. It's as if we were really there. So Picard pulls out the champagne. And I wanted to say goodbye properly this time. Ah, Captain Picard, you're such a class act. I shall always picture you here. Of course, the title to this episode is is I uh, you to always come charging to my rescue. from the Casablanca movie. I'm doing my best. Goodbye, Jean-Luc. Be well. And you. Thank you for Paris. Well, so much for my dramatically romantic exit. Some of the other changes to this episode was that her name wasn't Janice to begin with, it was Laura. At the fence, fencing scene at the beginning, it was Riker who was facing off with Picard. A couple other things, like I said, there was supposed to be a lot more romance between Janice and Picard during the episode. Then they ended up in the final story, so it's... Uh, Is anything wrong? I still think overall no, it's a pretty good pretty good little tale. Then set course for Sirena 8. As I remember, we were on our way for some much-needed shore leave. Course plotted and laid in, sir. Warp five. Engage. I've only been there once, but they've got this great club. I don't remember the name of it. They serve those blue concoctions. It's across the square from the Zanza Men's Dance Palace. It's called the Blue Parrot Cafe. And you're buying.
All right, so there we have. We'll always have Paris. You know, one of the uh, rare times where Captain Picard looks like he actually had a life before Starfleet and had some romance going on and, and that. And it, it's, like I said, a, a good story, I think. I, I think they they were hurt a little bit by some of the last-minute changes and the writer's strike. I think the episode is is a little up and down at times, but uh, it's still fun to watch. And like I said, it's it's also always fun to see the captain a little out of his element and, and a little bit more relaxed, especially in the early uh, seasons like this, which which he was always, a, you know, just a little bit more stiff and a little bit more formal in those years than he was later on as the series continued. So this is, uh, again, I think a pretty fun tale. Uh, now we're going to turn it over to, uh, I think the first comment that I've got is from uh, Will and uh, his comments uh, about this episode. Hello, everybody. This is Will. Just wanted to make a quick comment on the episode that Rico was covering this week. This episode actually holds a uh, special spot for me. It's the first episode that the wife and I watched after our honeymoon. We were actually married on April 23rd of that year, 1988. And this was actually episode 23. We actually missed the episode before that, the one where Tasha Yar was killed because that was during our honeymoon time. We actually didn't even know what happened to Tasha for some time because it's not like you could go look it up on the internet and find out what happened. Of course now you can look up bubble yum bubblegum and find out a thousand things. Back in 1988, couldn't do that so much. But I do remember the episode a little bit. I know that uh, it involved one of Picard's old flames and the person that she was married to at the time was some kind of a doctor messing around with time. I don't remember the episode that much. I think I remember it more for being the one that we watched after we uh, got married. Or being the first one we watched after we got married, anyway. But I do remember them going to the holodeck and sitting there talking and having the uh, Eiffel Tower in the background. It was always a kind of a neat scene. I know a lot of pictures that talks about this episode, you can see that picture. But I always thought that was kind of cool. I always liked it whenever the uh, Star Trek shows were on Earth and they showed... Uh, landmarks like that from different things even though it's supposed to be in the far future those landmarks were still there always thought that was kind of cool but again I'm glad Rico's covering this episode because it was the first one that I got to watch as a married man keep up the good work Rico it's nice talking to everybody on the forums see everybody later goodbye Thanks very much for your comments, Will. Yeah, that's it's interesting how some episodes that you'll see of, of any show, you know, Trek or, or other things or movies even. Movies especially for me, I, uh, I always have, uh, you know, think of certain things, what was going on in my life at the time and 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 if it's if it's something big like that yeah i can remember uh i can remember like some of the movies you know like the first movie that lynn and i went to see together uh and 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 that so it's um it's cool and uh that's that's neat that it was kind of a romantic one too after your wedding so thanks for your comments and i appreciate it next up uh we've got some comments from our buddy rick moyer and i think he's got a new little tune here and maybe a little guest talking about this episode of trek so uh take it away rick and uh and I think maybe Amy. Hey, everybody. This is Rick. And this is Amy. And we're from Aberdeen. Uh, Moyer777 on the forums. What's your title on the on the Treks and Sci-Fi forum? Do you remember? I think it's something like 
Trekkie Wife 777? Something like that. Something like that. You don't freak, You don't get on the boards very often. You're not on the forum very often. I, I did listen to a Treks and Sci-Fi podcast this last week, though. I was doing yard work. That's awesome. Well, right now, we're doing a quick little um, comment on the TNG episode, We'll Always Have Paris. <laughs> do you remember that one, Amy? Yes, I do. And it had something to do with, like interdimensional shifts or weird things with this one station and experiments and yes and and Jean-Luc Picard's old love his old flame Jean-Nice 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 you like it when I talk like this well sometimes (laughs) Uh, hmm, hubba hubba (laughs) anyway um okay so I wrote a song yeah, of course you did. Of course I did. And because I've been having fun with my new iPad. Uh-huh. And it has GarageBand on it, which you love. Well, sometimes. Yeah, I like all these sometimes things <laughs> you're So anyway, I wrote a song all about the episode. But before we get to that song, um, I want to say that I think this was a great episode. And let me tell you why. Do you, you know why I think it was great? Why do you think it was great? I think it was great because, first of all, it, it had um, time travel and time stuff in it, which I always mm-hmm. think is cool. Um, there was like a little hiccup in time, which is kind of neat. And then I like to see Jean-Luc fencing. That was cool. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of fun to have him go on the holodeck and and uh, see that girl waiting for her love that never showed up. It was sad. Because did Jean-Luc yeah. make the right choice, the Enterprise or Jean-Nice? It was good. Hmm. And then, of course, the, my favorite part, though, was down in the lab when Data is down there and he gets split into three different time dimensions and he has to take the antimatter and seal up the chamber. That's cool. And in the right dimension. Correct. Which was tricky because it's hard to figure out which one was right. But he's an android and there was three of them, so they got their minds together and figured it out. Yeah. It helps and Data be, saved the day. Helps to be smart. Yeah. So I, I really, you know, I was trying to think of something I could do like a, a parody of, and I just really didn't come up with anything. So I wrote an original song on the iPad, and I just got a huge kick out of the costumes in this one. When they go into sick bay, and there's Jeanise in her silver poofy pants. And so that's what I named the song. Silver, Silver poofy, poofy pants. pants. And that's really hard to say a lot of times in a row. And the chorus has it quite a bit. So everybody out Trex and Sci-Fi, thanks so much uh, for the awesome community and the fun we get to have at Trex and Sci-Fi. And I hope you really enjoy this song. Here it is. I, by the way, I give the episode a three out of five stars. What do you well, give it? I, well, probably a three or 2.5, somewhere around there. All right, here it is, everybody. Silver Poofy Poofy Pants, pants. right here on Trex and Sci-Fi. Thanks, Rico. Enjoy. This is Captain... This is the captain of the USS Enterprise responding to your call for help. Enterprise, thank you for your help. Where are you?
reached out, yo. In her silver poofy pants, to the vendor system we go. In her silver poofy pants, do you regret your choice? In her silver poofy pants, when you recognize her voice. In her silver poofy pants. Another awesome song, Silver Poofy Pants. Yeah, I was going to, you know, I don't think during my commentary I was going to say something about her her sort of one of those almost Buck Rogers-like uh, sci-fi outfits that Janice was wearing in, in this episode with kind of the open sides and, and the puffiness of it all. A very 70s, 80s kind of look for, yeah, that's what everyone's going to be wearing in the future. <laughs> Aluminum foil or whatever. Actually, it wasn't really that bad, but it was a little funny. And uh, I love the song. And thanks so much, Amy, too, for joining in on, and commenting on this episode along with your husband. And it uh, uh-huh, used some more French-speaking talk, uh, should you say? Yes. I have a lot of French in my background, so I always, I, I, and Lynn doesn't really always appreciate my accents, but uh, anyway, <laughs> let's move on. We're going to quickly go into now a, a, a sort of a guest a collectible review, and this one's from Brian, who, and, and sometimes I think Brian just buys collectibles so he can take pictures of himself without, wear, without a shirt and posting his hunkiness on the Treks and Sci-Fi forums. So any ladies out there who are listening and want to see Brian in, in his hunky, you know, triathlete form, holding a phaser up to the camera of his, uh, his iPad or wherever he's taking his pictures, <laughs> check out the forums. you got to join up. You know, you'll never know what you're going to find. And anyway, here is Brian and his um, quick review of uh, the latest uh, collectible that he's picked up. This is uh, on the Wrath of Khan style communicator and brian although you won't be able to really tell in the uh, audio comment that he's uh, not wearing a shirt but i suspect he's probably not rico what's happening my brother it's brian and i am back for yet another collectible review i just received in the mail the other day my diamond select uh art asylum uh Rathicon communicator which i gosh i ordered this a while ago. I can't, I don't remember when I ordered this. Um, but I just received it and I was pretty excited because this has sort of been a, a favorite of mine and I've always wanted to have one of these. So uh, I wanted to send in this little review and uh, talk about some of the functions and features on this little bad boy. Um, to begin with, this certainly is an odd duck of a communicator. Um, the I'm not sure if they actually had a communicator that they made for Star Trek The Motion Picture. Certainly, there was never one that was... Actually, you know what? They did have a communicator that was designed. It, the prop was made, but it's never really seen on screen. They also redesigned the phaser for the motion picture. And it was that very cool kind of uh, art deco, uh, sleek-looking modern design. And I have to say, the Star Trek the motion picture phaser, and they kept the same design for the Wrath of Khan, has always been my favorite phaser design of all of them. I know a lot of people like the... Uh, Assault phaser that came in the later movies, but I've always really loved the, the uh, motion picture and Wrath of Khan phaser, and mostly the Wrath of Khan phaser because that actually gets to see some action in the Genesis cave scene. Um, and, I've, and so Art Asylum made a Wrath of Khan in motion picture phaser last year, which I bought, which I have here, and uh, it makes some cool noises. Oh, it makes cool noises when you turn it on. That's actually a very good uh, simulation of the sound effect from the movie. And it's got lights and everything, and I posted some, uh, some pictures of this on the forums a while back. 
So to complete my landing party set, I wanted to get the communicator. So the Wrath of Khan communicator. Well, unlike the, the black with the gold lid flip top that we saw in the original series, this particular communicator is basically a silver box with a flip lid and inside very little in the way of detail. It basically had two sort of uh, toggle switches and a speaker microphone at the bottom. It has uh, two Lucite uh, blocks. One is up by the hinge of the uh, flip top at the antenna and one is at the base. And although I don't, it's hard to see in the film if when he, when you're talking into it, if the, if the lights work, but on this particular prop, they, uh, they do work when the, you play the dialogue from the film. So you got a couple of different options. So when you, you flip it open, it beeps and a little red light comes on. And then there's a setting one, and this is some of the dialogue that it plays. I'm just cycling through them. You know I like that. Here's the rest of that. Oh yeah. I think that's it. Yeah. So that's on setting one. Setting two is of course the classic. Never gets old. And then setting three is kind of a, you close the lid and then I think it, it beeps to get you to open it. Yeah, there it goes. It beeps until you open it. Um, uh, and then and then that's what it plays and that's basically it so uh again you know a very different looking communicator definitely not very evolutionary in terms of the original series and then by star trek 3 they actually did away with this and brought the communicator back into something that resembled more closely the original series and um, from then on, I think they sort of kept that sort of basic design. So again, a very unique kind of little prop, um, one that's never been really produced by uh, Master Replicas, never made a, a high-end version of this. So I'm pretty excited that uh, Art Asylum Diamond Select uh, offered this up uh, at a really good price. They're, I think, 30-some-odd bucks online. I'm sure you can find them cheaper. And now I've got both the phaser and the communicator um, from my favorite Star Trek movie. So anyway... Rico, I hope you have a great show as usual. Looking forward to hearing it. And uh, I guess that's it. Live long and prosper, my man. Take care. Bye. Well, thank you, Brian. Thanks for your uh, review, shirt or shirtless. Not sure which. I'm, I'm guessing, again, shirtless. Of the Rathacon communicator. Yeah, that is a bit of an odd duck, a little odd look for the communicator style. I always thought it was much bigger than it really needed to be. It, you know, Besides the fact that it's just this silver box. With it, with uh, I think there are a few holes in the lid. It's got those kind of funky little lever switches inside, but it's you know it, it is pretty plain. You know, you think about that, and if you think too much about it, when you look at something like an iPhone or a current smartphone, an Android or something, and and just the level of, of techiness and 
and and technology when you look at the two of those the trek communicator from from wrath that comes off looking a little funny almost a little buck rogers like but i still want to pick one up i've got to order one i've got the phaser i've got the Rathcon phaser but i gotta get the uh, communicator of course you gotta have both so thanks for your review brian uh always love to hear from you about uh, collectibles or anything else you'd like to mention or talk about like um you know, whatever. <laughs> that's uh, that's going to do it for today's show, folks. I, I got to wrap this up and uh, do a couple of quick little edits and and, uh, and then get out to, to the movies and see Pirates Eye. So uh, everyone have a great week. Next week on the show, going to do a special cast with uh, Jedi Jeff on the first, the first, not the second, but the first, although we'll probably talk a tiny bit about the second, but we're going to talk about the first Tron movie. Uh, from way back in the day so that should be fun and the the schedule after that uh, for early june will be like another trek episode and then i'm going to cover a blade runner i've got to get the schedule kind of mapped out for june and i will be doing that soon hopefully we'll get a guest podcast in there too in june sometime so everyone take care visit the website uh you know donations uh podcast reviews all that good stuff all can be found over at treksinsci-fi.com And that's it. Hope everyone enjoyed it, and I'm out of here. You've been listening to Trex in Sci-Fi. For more information, visit TrexInSciFi.com. Write to Rico today at TrekSF at gmail.com. That's TrekSF at gmail.com. Set a course for Earth. Maximum warp. Copyright 2011. All rights reserved. I'm Captain Kirk. Tricks in sci-fi. At ease before you sprain something. Your weekly dose of kinky goodness. And entertainment news. This mission would have failed without your help. I won't be speaking. To only podcast where no one has podcasted before. Captain Abassians yet. I'm with, we're not done with the Cardassians yet. Not with the strategic importance of that world. Thanks for joining us for Treks in Sci-Fi. Treks in Sci-Fi.